0: I'm Russ M., recovered compulsive overeater
1: from Norristown,
0: Pennsylvania. So this is step one meeting. I'm just going to read that. We admit it it we're powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. Well, for me, I knew that at a very young age. I knew maybe five, six years old that this food thing had me. Um, And up until last year, I... uh, I battled it, you know. What can I say? Up and down, medium sized, skinny, diet, pills, working out. <laughs> Craziness, restriction, crazy things with food. And I could never put a, a title to it. I can never say, uh, this is why I am. But I always knew something was up with me. I always knew I had this, this food was, was tearing me down. Uh, it also bled into all other parts of my life. So, not just the the food wasn't just the only thing. My relationships as a, as a young kid, I always felt I was always stressed out. Always had another goal to hit. Um, just to go back a little bit about me, I'm I'm an only child. My dad was an alcoholic. My two grandfathers were alcoholics. My mother's a workaholic. God bless her. My my mother's mother was an anorexic. I'm an only child, the youngest cousin, only boy, only carried the name on. I mean, it was like a perfect storm for this. You know, I had all this pressure at such a young age, and it always was food. Don't know why. I never, never really thought about it. You know, if I was hungry, I ate. If I wasn't hungry, I didn't eat. I mean, if I wasn't hungry, I ate. If I was happy, I ate. If I was sad, I ate. You know, if somebody died, I ate. If I got a promotion, if I made a couple bucks, I ate. If I lost money, I it was always food, and it was just a natural, regular thing. It was like part of who I who I am. You know, it just was. I wouldn't even say defense mechanism, or I thought it was normal. I thought that just that's how it is for me. So, um, yeah, I was I was uh, I knew it at a young age. So, you know, in, in turn with, with those things my mind was never right whether it was with my friends or my parents or my family or what you know what i expected of the world you know you could dream right? you know people say you're a dreamer and all that jazz but like you know my dreams were like really like way out there they were out there they want they were truly unrealistic and i i i believe because that my mind played a part in all this so I hit the bottom in j- last January, and I get to a meeting. And I'm going to be straight with you. It's, it's, it was a tools meeting, right? And I knew at that first meeting, the obsession was lifted. Like something happened at that meeting. I don't know what it was. I don't know. I didn't do anything, but I knew there was an obsession was lifted. So what does any good addict do after their first meeting? I went out and binged for three days, right? So, and I finally... That Tuesday, that t- I'm, I'm sorry, that Monday night, I got on my knees in the kitchen, and I, I always had a belief in God, grew up with a faith, and I just said, I got on my knees and said, Lord, you got to take this off me. I'm done. I had enough. I can't do anymore. I cannot manage this. Now, you know, I'm I'm Mr. Jesus, and like, I'm a big Christian guy, right? I surrendered everything over to Jesus and over to God, and... And I, I didn't surrender anything until that moment. Until that moment, in my kitchen, I found out what true surrender was. Because I was done. I was. I had enough. I couldn't do it. I was beat up. I was battered. I was losing. I lost my business. Uh, my 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 wife was about to walk out on me. You know, I did damage to my children, who are just the thing I prayed for my whole life was a family. You know, and I just wrecked everybody. I bulldozed everybody in front of me. And. Uh, I knew I was done, so I surrendered. And it it just clicked, it just clicked, you know. Sometimes I look back, I say, man, I got a ear, man. I can't believe this, I got a ear. But this can't be, this might be BS. Then I look back and I say, man, this was not me. Like, I had nothing to do with this stuff. Only thing I said was I was done and I need your help. And it's a miracle that I'm sitting in front of you people today. Honest to goodness, I wouldn't be actually, I ain't into uh, blowing smoke. I know that I was so sick. I was so sick, I was losing everything. And you know, this book, this program, first and foremost, surrendering this over to God, realizing I got a problem, I can't deal with this and not just with food, just with life in general. Like just the regular regular stressors. You know, in, in 07, my daughter, we knew she she had some issues. She she was born without a part of her brain had a hole in her heart. We had all these, all this tragedy. And my dad died while she was in the hospital. And I couldn't, man- I just couldn't manage it, man. I just could I couldn't do it. I tried to be a trooper. I tried by my own will. I tried to just, to handle it. And it just didn't work out. You know, it was the, it was the whole thing. You know, thankfully my daughter's doing great and uh, things have, it's great. Thank God. My, my point being is that I couldn't manage life; it just wasn't food. Food was a symptom of that. That me abusing food was was a symptom of not being able to to just handle things. Just like I could see my father, God bless him, the greatest guy in the world. Like the house would be falling down, he'd just be sitting there; it'd be all right. Don't worry about it; we'd be okay. Like I could never do that, you know. If if something stupid, the trash wasn't taken out, I was ripping someone's face off. It's just. My mind was not right. So, you know, going through the big book, and, like, I was reviewing last night, because I know this is is an up-the-up meeting, you know, a great meeting. So I had to have my stuff together. You know, just going over, uh, you know, the doctor's opinion again. You know, that thing with our mind. Like, why do we do these things? Like, why, after I swore off a hundred times, do I go back to that pizza shop? Why, you know, when, when I said, I ain't doing this again, I find myself, you know, through three drive-thrus in a day. Like, why, why does that happen? It's because when it comes to food, I'm, cra- I'm crazy, man. I'm crazy. Now, I'm pretty good with the people. I love people. I'll help you in a minute. My relationships weren't really super bad. But when it comes to food, like, I think I'm an okay guy. You know, I have the right intentions for people. But when it comes to food, I ain't right. I'll steal from you. I, w- I will tell you what you want to hear to be able to get that hit. And, it, and I knew that. I knew that at 16 years old, 17 years old. I knew how to manipulate like no other. And then I'm saying to myself, well, I'm a good guy. You know, I, you know, I ain't hurt nobody. You know, they, come on, I'm Then I'm not going to hurt them. They, they don't know what's going on. You know, my intentions are good, but I got to get that food. You know, I got, what do you have that I can take from you? And that was me for my for my whole for a lot of times. Then I think of all my friends, and my family, and my wife. Man, she hung in there. For, she's there for twenty years, man. God bless her. She had to go through this craziness. And that day, that that Tuesday, the I'm sorry, the 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 sixteenth of January of last year, when I just surrendered, it was just like. It was like the weight of the world was off my back and I could be who I, who I am. Who I am. And I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm an addict. I know I'm an addict. And I'm a compulsive overeater. And, you know, there was years and years and years of parties, of times with my family. Oh, here comes Russ. you got to eat a certain way. And that used to stress me out and drive me into the food even more, right? So my, my point is now I'm okay with That's who I am. You know, I don't hate you. You live your life. You do what you got to do. But I know for myself, I know what I got to avoid, and I know what God is telling me that I have to do to stay clean, to, to be the man that he's He's built built me to be, like, sincerely. And it means that sometimes I'm going to go to a party, and I'm not going to eat what you have, or I'm going to bring what I need. And another thing is, like, sometimes it, it this this whole thing, my mind... Super, it's, it, it's above the food because when I'm focusing on food and this type of food, that's like that's putting me right back into controlling it. And I'm learning, like, I'm not gonna lie to you, I don't have like a food plan where it's, I'm, I'm look, I asked God, I say God, I have no control over this, put it in front of me, whatever you want me to do, I'm gonna do, and I'm gonna be teachable, and you're gonna show me how to eat after all these years. And that's what happened. And I, now I know what I can eat, know what I can't do. I know what I can do at a party. And if I can't do that at a party, I'll bring my stuff at a party. Whatever, I took the food out of it. I took this obsession out of it, only through God. Like, I, my mind changed when I surrendered that over. And um, it's just, inc- it's, inc- it's incredible. Because I see other things happening, you know. My life is unmanageable. But now, now that I got a clear head, and I'm really making attempts to, to to surrender my life over to God. All other areas in my life are starting to perk up. You know, this is like in all our affairs. Like you, sometimes you forget that. When I'm reading the big book, oh, I got it with the food. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's with your boss. That's with your children. That's when you can't make the mortgage payment. That's when the car goes down. It's in all our affairs and how we how we uh, use this these these tools. The, the steps to um, to live our life manageably. And it's like we ain't doing it. You know, it's not really us. If you're in this book, God is taking over. If you're truly making an effort to work this program and put your effort into what these pages say, you're not doing anything. You're doing a little bit of work. And God is, he's, he's hooking up the rest. And that's what I can say about myself. You know, that's just the miracle of it. Um, no, I, I could, I could, I have more time. I
1: got done. you. Can transition to me if you want. Well, give it to Pete. All right. Give it Thank to my man yeah. Pete. I Thank can't you Thanks, Russ. Thanks for sharing. You. My name's Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater, recovered today by God's grace and mercy, and uh, really grateful to be here today. I like how Kim said you can talk about anything you want as long as it's the first step. So. <laughs> our literature says that we needed to fully concede to our innermost self that we were alcoholic. And the delusion that we were like other people or presently may be has got to be smashed. And man, that smashing took a long time for me. Like, it it took a long time for me for that to be smashed. It took took, uh, going into recovery for alcoholism and drug addiction. It took, you know... Inner child workshops, it took it took more things than I care to describe for that to be smashed. You know, when you think about it, it says that is the first step in recovery. You know, I'm the kind of I'm the kind of uh, alcoholic addict, compulsive overeater. You know, if I go to a synagogue for bar mitzvah, I'll put a yarmulke on and say I'm Jewish. You know what I mean? I'll go to the I'll go to the FOP and drink with the police. Or I'll go to the after-hours uh, place and I'll drink with the criminals and I'll just fit right in. So it, yeah. You know, I learned very early. All you had to do is admit, admit, admit. No problem. So, you know, I came into OA. Uh, I, 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 let me just back up a minute. I came, I came into OA after being sober for like nine years, eight years, and they said, "Admit you're powerless over food and your life is unmanageable." All right, I'll admit it. I'll jump in. I, I'll get a buddy help me stay on my food plan. I'll go to the OA-sanctioned nutritionist and get a food plan. And I'll follow it like everybody else. And I'll go to the meeting with the eyeball and the measuring cups and the scales and all that. And I'll do all that. And I did all that. And I got, and I, and, and I got skinny. I also got I also got real sick. I I got I got more and more disconnected from the power that got me sober, and the power that that restored my life to being manageable. And um you know, it's just funny, you know, I, I after being sober and 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 doing some things, you know, I I I start rel- relating back to my, you know, to the early days. I don't want to get over analytical or over, you know, psychological, you know, psychological, but, you know, what I know is this, is that my reaction to food or substances other than what I was looking for was different than every other person that I ever knew. Like, I knew, like, I mean, I'm told stories that, yeah. I have a a younger brother. I grew up in in a lower middle class neighborhood in New York, you know, like blue collar heaven. Everybody was either a, a cop a construction worker, or a criminal. And everybody behaved the same way. It didn't matter. <laughs> but in any case, you know, in my ha- I have a younger brother. He's two and a half years younger than me. So he was on formula when I was on food. And my mom tells a story about how when I was little, if she turned her back for a minute, I would take the formula from my brother. Now, I was already on regular food. But the, you know, and my dad said I tasted it one time, and it was awful. It was just the most awful thing you ever wanted to taste. But for me, I could only associate that bottle with ease and comfort, <clears throat> right? I knew, like, like when I was little, if I was if I was scared, if I was worried, I called for mom. Mom would come. She'd give me a bottle. And when I got older, you know, if I got uncomfortable, if I got scared, if I got if I got you know any kind of discomfort whatsoever. I got food. And it, and, and I, maybe I just connected those dots with like that was the solution. And if that was the solution, I just want more of it. What I didn't know was that I had some type of allergy to these substances in me that was causing this phenomena of craving, which occurs in, in compulsive overeaters that doesn't necessarily occur in other people. You know, it, it's like... It's it's like if it, it, I just had to get out of me. I just needed something to get out of me, and food, or the thought of food, created this sense of ease and comfort that was just second to nothing else. It was just set, you know, and it was a mixed thing. Like in my house, I grew up in this like in the in the '70s and the '80s in New York, and it was all it was craziness. You know what I mean? And and my parents did the best they could with what they had. And unfortunately for them they had me who just needed more of everything else. You know, I just needed more support. I needed more consideration. You know, I just more, more, more and I just couldn't get what I wanted. And I was afraid and I was fearful and the, and and you know, and there'd be turmoil, you know? You know, they break out alcohol and like every all of a sudden everybody's telling everybody how much they love each other and at the same time they're telling how they hate each other. You know what I mean? It's like a straight like and I'm picking, taking all this in as a little kid. I'm like, man, what, this is a solution or it's a problem. I can't, I, I, I just can't understand it. And, the, and there'd be fights. And, but you know what? When it was all said and done, right, we'd go back to the table. Mm. We'd go back to the table, right? If mom <laughs> and dad were getting along, there'd be, you know, I, I used to get up in the morning and I'd hope I'd smell bacon. Because <laughs> if I smelled bacon, that meant that mom and dad was gonna be okay, like everything's okay, right? I knew, but if I smelled nothing, it meant I'd have to tiptoe down the stairs. You know, I had to be very careful. The, the, growing up, the, one of the clearest memories I had was Saturday morning around 10 o'clock, on Saturday morning, because I'd be in anticipation that soon mom would be home with the groceries if everything went okay, and when those when the kitchen table got filled up with groceries, who man, that was a relief. Like it was just like it was a relief, and it was gonna have all the things I could go to to get me out of me. You know, unfortunately for me, you know, I, I you know, I, I, there was, there was, there was a, you know, like I said, a lot of turmoil. It's like I had this thing inside me, and and alcohol. Became a part of my solution to those things, you know, and it and and uh, and and I went on my merry way. You know, I got sober May 27, nineteen ninety seven. I was thirty years old. Um, I was living in Wildwood, an apartment, you know, let's just like an at the bottom. I had been to AA before, but I went to AA, and um, I, I I I'm sorry, I surrendered and I decided to go to an AA meeting, and I went to an AA meeting. And, um, I was fully planned. I went to an AA meeting to meet a woman because I figured I had all this time on my hands that I might as well meet a companion to stay sober with. And that would be the solution. And I got to AA and there was, it was at a, uh, it was in a, in a church in, I guess it was May. It wasn't summer yet, but it was a, it was a step meeting and it was a round table and I got in there and everybody told me, and they said, we're on the eighth step, but we're going to go to the first step and we're going to, and w- because you're here. And I, 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 I sat up a little bit in my chair, you know what I mean? Like I was like, wow, they, they recognize talent here. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: so they went around the room and everybody in the room did what I was used to. Like, everybody around the room said, well, you know, our life is so great, and we're only here to help you, and you're the most important person in the room, and we just, and I was like, you're right, you're right, and I kept on listening, and I was, yeah, I was basically casing, I was assessing the situation to figure out where I was going to, you know, I was getting ready to be put out of my place, I was going to need a couch to crash on. You know, I was, I, was, I was close to getting my car repossessed. I needed, a, I needed a way to get to this next meeting to find this source I was looking for. And it, it, was, it was chair to chair. You know, I don't know if you've been in meetings in the wintertime in the winter time or a while, but was, you know, every chair was full, around the table. And then there was like five chairs and there was one guy at the other end. His name was Frank. He was, they called him Cranky Frankie. <laughs> 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 and he said, in a real matter-of-fact way, that I was the most important person in the room after him. <laughs> he said that if I, if I have alcoholism, like our literature describes alcoholism, that I was going to die a drunk. And if I thought Alcoholics Anonymous was going to get me sober, I was going to die a drunk. He said Alcoholics Anonymous never got one drunk sober. If you have alcoholism, you are going to need a power far greater than Alcoholics Anonymous. That Alcoholics Anonymous was human aid, and the literature says we are beyond human aid. He said, "If you think you can go to a meeting and you'll remember the next day not to drink because of what you heard in that meeting, that's a mental defense. We have no mental defense." He said, "He said if I, he said, he said the only hope we have is in a power greater than ourselves." See, you know, since it admitted we were alcoholic, most of us don't even know what that means. All right, I have an allergy. All right, I have a, I have a, a, a mental blank spot that proceeds the first drink. But the, the, the chapters that we're describing describe this condition as a hopeless, fatal, progressive illness. Gets worse, never better, whether I'm drinking or eating or not. Right? Like, this thing is just bigger than anything we can ever relate to, and if I need, if I am going to, if I have any hope whatsoever, I am going to need grace, an unmerited gift from a God of my not understanding, right? Like, because I don't know about you, but I didn't, that's not what I came here for. I wouldn't come here for that. So, but I was desperate. I was desperate, and in desperation, you know, I called this guy who was, who was, you know, my temporary sponsor at the time, and I was telling him what was going on, he says, listen, man, you could pray in disbelief, and a loving and merciful God removed the obsession to drink, even if you don't believe in him, I was like, alright, well, fine, alright, I could do that, I'd do that all my whole life, I prayed in disbelief, and the, and the, the merciless obsession was removed, so that bigger issue, That was that. It was like it was like overeating was like the little sister of this fucking monster. I'm sorry, I apologize. Of this monster. (laughs) Right, it was like like the little sister of this of this horrible monster, and and the obsession was moved. And I worked the steps in AA as hard as you could work the steps in AA. And I went to the step meetings and the retreats and the this and the that, but boom. boom. But I can clearly remember working on my fourth step with a pad and paper, a list that said resentments, and a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken, and a six pack of (laughs) six pack of the sweetest organic sugar soda you could possibly find. Right, because I was in pain. And food provided comfort, you know. I quit smoking. I have all the things you do, you know, like getting myself together. And I still had like I was on this. I was on this this horrible escalator of, uh, you know, I, I would go on a diet and I would find the right book. And what are you doing, you know? All the while getting bigger and bigger and bigger because I couldn't deal. Like I had this. I had this higher power, but this higher power was no match to you Know a box of Captain Crunch, you know what I mean? There was no match to you know rice checks, a pizza, you know, like the uh, the, uh God, please help me stay sober while I while I shovel down this six, you know, Dunkin' Donuts, but this 12 packet, you know, a dozen donuts, and you know, that was that was fine until it wasn't fine anymore, you know. I, I, uh, I was going through some stuff sober. I'm like, like, if I'm doing so good, I'm sponsoring people. If I'm doing so good, how come I'm feeling so bad? You know, like, I, it was like, it was like uh, I've heard it said on a the, on the, on the meeting I attend, it was like being kicked to death by a bunny rabbit. You know, it's like, like <laughs> I sh- everything should be so great, but it was just had this undercurrent of misery. And I turned to, I turned to OA, right? I, I, came to, I came actually here to the men's meeting they used to have on Tuesday night. And I met a I met a guy, and he told me that this is the program. He was my—he became like my buddy, and he told me this is what you're going to do. And I told him, well, this is what I'm willing to do. You know? <laughs> and like I said, I got skinny in O.A. I, you know, I follow. I used the tools. I'd have six. I'd be absent for six days, and then I decide that I could eat whatever as much as I want of my abstinent food. You know, mm-hmm. and you know that. It, it only took 10 short years But you know what, like every year It was like that, you know, misery A little bit more, a little bit more Because I'm used to misery Like I spent all my life like dodging bullets Hiding from this Like I could live with low level misery You know, that's what food was causing for me It was like low level misery It was keeping me separated from my, the people around me like, I couldn't actually relate. Everything was about the food, what I can get, what I couldn't get. Or I'd go on a diet, and I'd go, oh, I have to get everything from Whole Foods, and it's got to be non gm Just making people around me miserable, making me miserable. And, and, you know, I was like 10, only 10 short years of that, you know what I mean? And, and, and um... You know, I'd gain five pounds and I'd lose four pounds. I'd gain seven pounds and I'd lose three pounds. You know, it was just, it was like this just, 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 uh, uh, merry-go-round of misery. And, and um, I started doing, uh, you know, uh, only uh, about a year ago, I started doing what I did before um, when I first came to OA, which was I started praying to the God of my understanding at that time to please help me be willing. I'd just be willing to go to any lengths for victory over this, right? If I have to return to those god-awful OA meetings, then God damn it, I'm willing to do it, right? If I had to do it, I'm going to do it. You know, for me, I read this book. I'm not one of those people who can tell you what, what page this stuff's on, but I know the stuff that's in that book. And I go to an AA meeting and I tell you about what I know about the book. With only the, the hope that I'd impress you, right? Not yeah. only the hope that you would, you know, I knew something you didn't know. It was going to make me a little bit more important than you were, right? <laughs> all lies, my, you know, all ego, all those things. I'm dialing into this OA meeting that I attend on the phone and I'm listening to people talking. What do these people know about my book? What do these people, you know? And... i'm 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 so obsessed with food i'm like i travel during the week i'm like i'm like in my car trying to find the right white chocolate bar you know what i mean the right one that's going to put me into the right just the right zone where i don't have to feel scared and i don't have to feel pressure and, I, and and then I'm running home and I'm yelling at my wife because she bought the, bought the wrong steel-cut oats. You know what I mean? Like that's the, that's, the, that's what food is doing to me, right? My kids are all, can't live up to my expectations. Life is just, I'm just, I, I, I'm restless, irritable, and discontented and sober. And thinking to myself, if I'm doing so good, how come I'm feeling so bad? Like what 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 is going on? I start praying that my God, the God of my understanding, please seeking direction, please help me, please give me direction, and you know the the the, uh, you know, I'm dialing into this meeting, right, and I'm listening to all this stuff, and every time I get off, I'm like, oh, they know. You know, what do these people know? And then I, and then finally, I don't want to, I didn't want to say anything, you know, I worked the steps, you know, how come I'm still obsessed? And I, I, uh, I just, you know, one Sunday morning they have a meeting. A format kind of like there's a special edition. They had this lady on. She's Mexican. She's Jewish. She's recovered. And I heard something, and and uh, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna ask, right? I, I unmute my phone. They ask a question. I said. How do you, my name's Steve? I'm a compulsive over here. <laughs> I don't want anybody. I don't want anybody referring to Pete, right? <laughs> I said, "How do you start? How do you start? What do you do?" So she said, "Well, if you want, give me a call. Give me a call tomorrow, right?" And you know, I'll give this lady. A call. What the hell? I, I, you know, I'm miserable. I give her a call. <laughs> she go. She said, she's. Later, she told me, she doesn't usually, she doesn't usually, you know, pick up people from the calls, like you use face-to-face meetings or wherever, wherever she says she gets sponsees, but she has a person she sponsors, his name is Steve, and she's really, really close with him, and because I said my name was Steve, she said, uh, you know, she, she, she'd give me a shot, you know what I mean, she'll sponsor me, and, you know, you call that odd, you call it whatever you want. yeah. yeah, yeah but we you know like yeah i'm 63225 at the time 63255 right like sweating in a in a in a refrigerator you know like just just ridiculous and you know she's a little tiny mexican lady uh, her name's marcella um you know she just said look you know, if you want what we have, and you're willing to go to any lengths to get it, here's what you're gonna do. You know, I said I have a meal plan. I went in my folder and I got my thing from the nutrition center. You know, the sanctioned thing. Here's my meal plan. Well, that's not a good meal plan. You know, this is what I re- This is what I recommend. This is what I do. And I said, well, you're five three. I'm six. It's about a hundred pound difference here. In any case. I sought guidance and I got a meal, you know, I got a meal plan and I started and I started like, like, like it was day one in 1997, you know, just like with the earnestness of, of only the, uh, uh, of, of only the dying can have or only the drowning, I think it says in the book, something like that. And you know, I, 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 I had to uh, disregard my old knowledge and apply it to this, you know. I had, I had to fully concede to my innermost mm-hmm. self that I am a compulsive overeater, and then I had to fully understand what compulsive overeater meant. It's not the little sister to anything. Mm-hmm. Like, this condition has deprived me of everything that I rightly deserve. Like, I go to work every day. I take care of the things I need to take care of. I am responsible. I'm all those things. But food just kept me from experiencing the joy in life, that we're all entitled to as one of God's creatures. And by working this program and applying the principles to my life and continuing to do that, like, I, I you know, like, I, I, I never could understand what people meant by recovered. You know, to me it was like walking through a, to me it was like walking through a, uh, you know, a minefield. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, 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 I'm, I, I walk with pride and dignity today. Like, I don't care what you eat, when you eat it, or how you eat it. I don't care what you drink, what you smoke, what you do, or how you do it. It, it doesn't affect me. Like, I'm not powerless over food unless it's in me. The only way I'm powerless over food is if I put it in my body, right? My defense from taking that first fatal bite comes from a power greater than myself. I've been restored to sanity in that respect one day at a time. And, you know, when I I love that. I love the fact, like, like, like just being restored. I would say in an AA meeting, I walk with pride and dignity. I'm a free man today, right? But I'm judgmental, opinionated. You're doing this right. You quoted that wrong. (laughs) I'm in a position of neutrality. You know, I have ceased fighting everybody and everything. Like, like the, 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 and I don't get beyond, it goes beyond the, the first step, but man, I'll tell you what, like, this, this, this disease has been arrested. Mm. You know, and if I can add up, like, all of those things that I thought I wanted when I got, to, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. what I have is a relationship with a power so much greater than myself that has allowed me to match calamity with serenity. Like I know that no matter what happens, no matter what comes down the pike, sickness, wellness. It's funny. I got absent on May twenty-second, two thousand seventeen. That's when I put the food down. I finished working my steps in August. Right in June, I got diagnosed with Lyme's disease. In July, I got diagnosed with a blood disorder. I produce too much iron. I have to get a. I have to get a, uh, a blood withdrawn from me every single week. I get distorted. I'm like you know it's. Cr- all these things that I think, you know, well, if a donut would make this so much easier. <laughs> oh, man, you know, a pint of organic Ben and Jerry's. Whew, I deserve it.
0: Organic, yeah. Yeah. Organic,
1: yeah. But, uh, you know, it's like I go through these things, and, uh, and the Lyme disease is calling these, causing these issues with my joints, and I'll go to the gym, and I'll work out, and then all of a sudden I'm limping around for seven days, and i deal with it. Abstinently, you don't know, have a meal plan. I eat three meals a day with nothing in between, one day at a time. You know, and, and weighed and measured meals. I eat them. I don't care where I am, or who I'm with. My shit's measured. If I feel awkward weighing, in, if I feel awkward weighing my food in front of somebody, I bring my food with me. You know, I have. There is a solution. So. I'll pass it back over to Russ with, all, with that. Thanks for letting me share. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> right. So something,
0: I, I don't know why it hit me, but, you know, and uh, let me just find it real quick. Way up here. I'm sorry about that. More about alcoholism, right? I want to share a little story because this is who I am. And so the dude, uh, let me see where he is. The dude of, of of thirty, right? So he was he was getting boozed up and he knew he had something going on, right? So he said, I'm gonna stop drinking until I till I retire and I'm I'll be alright because you know I have this I got this time, I'll have it nipped over that twenty five years and it'll be cool. You know, I'll be I'll be good because I got control of this now. So he went through those years, he retired, and then you know the I love it, the the on the slippers, right? So when I was Uh, You know, during my high school years, you know, I I had a lot of issues. We can talk about that another time. But uh, uh, I had a great idea. I was going to be a pro wrestler, right? Because I'm, you know, perfect frame for it, right? You know, I got the perfect package for this, right? So senior year, after, after I got out of school, I hooked up with a good friend of mine that trained me. And I was on the road for five years. During that time, I was tight as can be. I was in shape. I, I watched my diet, I was training, very regimented, very selfish, very restrictive. <laughs> I got to the point where I, I was like a maniac about this, right? My poor grandfather, God rest his soul, and my mom, they would get turkeys for me. Listen to this, you got to hear this. They got turkeys for me. And they would cook these turkeys, grind the white meat because I couldn't have the dark meat. That's how whacked I was. So I had this all into Russ, all into me, looking at me, how I'm going to do, how I'm going to be in front of people. And, you know, plenty of times I was in front of people, like 10, 15,000 people. And I was like, Bill, I have arrived. You know, I'm like right here. I got these people in my hands, and my head is going like this, just blowing up. And it was all about Russ. Then we were at a TV taping in the Catskills, and I got suplexed. And I dislocated my elbow, and that was pretty much it. I mean, I refereed. I stuck around a little longer, and it just all hell broke loose. All hell broke. It was like, okay, yeah, I got it nipped for five years, and then I was worse before I came in, worse before I came in, and that was from '94, '95, all up until last year, up and down, medium size, skinny, in shape, out of shape, this diet. I did pills, pills with a diet, I exercise, believe me, run 10, 15 miles. I can't even freaking walk for two days, right? And my buddies in, in our band, he goes, Russ, how much you run today? I said, about 10 miles. He goes, is it good that you can't walk carrying your stuff into the church? It didn't click. You know, my, my, my mind was like the jaywalker, right? I'm getting battered and beat up. And I can't walk, I'm stopping, I got it, I got it managed, I'm cool, man, I'm in shape, but I can't walk, my back is hurting, I can't lift my kids up, you know, I was I was really, in a way, a waste to my wife, like, sometimes I, you know, I'm in the bathroom, I needed help, if you can believe it. So, what what I'm getting at, there was no, nothing, and that was part of, you know, why I'm here today, why I, you know, I knew I... As, as much as I, my, my Sicilian willpower and my mind wanted to say that I got this thing, the more I said that, the more bloodied and battered I became. The more I was, I was driven into the ground. And I just didn't, you know, like I said, you know, I, I try to live a Christian life. I ain't no good-ass Christian, but I try. You know, I try, and I surrendered this. I didn't surrender, In Sicilian say, um, goto. Um, goto. You didn't say, you didn't, you didn't surrender anything. I didn't so I kept taking it back because I had to be me, you know, I had to, I had to have control of everything, and it just was o- o- always, always torment, really, to be honest with you. It was very, it was torment, and, you know, my, it affected everything all the time, all the time, every relationship, my cousins, my friends, my, you know, my best friends, people that were there when my daughter was sick and my dad died, and, you know, that, I just, I just bulldozed them, I just treated them like garbage. And, you know, you don't realize it. You just don't realize it. And once it started affecting my marriage, I had to admit I had to do something. I had to do something. You know, I didn't want to lose my kids. I don't want to lose my wife. And she didn't deserve it. She's an ace. My wife is an ace. She put up with my craziness and loved me through it and tried to help. Never sabotaged the meal. Said, hey, you know, we're going to eat pizza or whatever. She never did that. She, ne- she always supported me. And yet I'm like, you know, I'm just, get, get back, get back. You know, trying to, trying to uh, just control things. And once that happened, I just knew. And like I said, I you know, I was in front of a, you know, in Puerto Rico, I was in front of 20,000 people. Had a, me, little Italian dude from Norristown, Pennsylvania, had all these people in my hands. It was ridiculous, right? But to make a phone call to go to a meeting, I was literally shaking. I was shaking. That phone was shaking in my hands. And, I, and I, I, I almost couldn't dial it. I got on my knees. I said, Lord, please help me dial this phone. I don't know what I'm doing. Called the lady, and she, she was from Long Island. And she goes, don't worry, honey. You come over. We got somebody for you. And that was the beginning of it. So for me, I have no control over this. And I know if I'm not in this book, if I am not in this book, because, look, th- th- for me, this book comes first because in this book I learned to surrender to God. That's that's what it is. It ain't higher than God. This ain't higher than my higher power. It's not. It's just a tool that keeps my higher p- power first. And if I if I keep God first, not everything ain't gonna be all peachy, you know, bowl of cherries. But I'll be able to manage through life as like a regular person instead of a crazed maniac, and 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 be able to to deal with my family and those, appreciate things. Like, you know, I, I can never appreciate a sunset. I mean, I lived in Seneca Falls, New York, when I went to chiropractic school. That's the most beautiful area in the world. All, uh, what do you call it, lakes and green, just beautiful. I couldn't appreciate not one, one bit of that. I was so blocked by, by the food. Now I, could, now I could appreciate people. You know, I, I could look at others and see their gifts and, and realize, looking back, you know, okay, I did damage to people, and I hurt people, but they stuck in there for me. You know, part of that is part of my recovery. Realizing when you were at your worst, when you were just beat to hell, people stuck in there for you, and they gave, they gave you a hand. They said, yo, you'll, you'll get it. You'll get I'm
1: praying for you. So, that's basically what I got. And I think we got a little bit of time left. Now, I, I guess I'll just take it back. It's all right. We'll go back and forth like yeah. this, right? Yeah. Um, I I I always want to remember. I I know scores of people that will tell me what page this is on and what page that is on, and they're drinking. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, when you boil, forget which story it is, but it's, it talks about the man who went out and drank again, and then he comes down the next day, and he says, "Have you had your morning meditation?" Right? It says somewhere in that book, and. He looks back as in in his experience, and he says, "You know, uh, what he what the person failed to do was enlarge his spiritual life." And you could boil all this down and know where it all is. But really, when you know, when you get down to the bottom of it, this entire thing recovery depends upon how much I'm expanding my spiritual life. And I firmly believe that, you know. The Dalai Lama is wondering, how do I enlarge my spiritual life? Like, there's no, there's no measurement. There's no barometer. You can't come in and say, ah, this is how far I've come. It's one of those things where you just don't know. And it's just, you know, so, you you know, all these things, you know, you, all the knowledge, like I said, there are, there, are, there are hundreds of people. They'll tell you what page it's on, who wrote it, what concept it's behind, all those things, but they're drinking. It's self-knowledge. Mm-hmm. The end of the day, self-knowledge is not gonna keep me from taking that first fatal bite. That self-knowledge is not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna remember, I'm not gonna relate to your pain from eating a donut. You know what I mean? It's not I like I've never stayed up late at night wondering about your problems. Consumed with myself. My defense must come from a power greater than myself. My my dependence upon a God of my understanding is is required for me to get abstinent, and stay abstinent, and live recovered, you know, and like I said, when you boil it all down, it all comes down to, in my eyes, and this is as Pete sees it, this isn't as Bill sees it or anybody else, but it's all about how I'm developing and growing spiritually. Fortunately for me, I get, I'm I'm part of, you know, this 12-step recovery movement, or process, or whatever you want, I always get exposed to opportunities to, To be of service to the God of my understanding, and try to be helpful, and try to help somebody find uh, their solution, and and it may not look like my solution, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know,
0: that's it. I I do want to say one other thing, if I could, if I, if you don't mind. Um. This this okay. This book here, man. You can't tell me. You cannot tell me. And that's that's when I will argue to tell him, you know, I will argue, you, like crazy, that this book is not God-inspired. When you look at what Bill went through and how this thing just, I, I just can't get over it because, I, you know, it's like I battled this thing for 44 years. And this dude from Vermont, you know, and, and Dr. Silkworth and Dr. Bill, and the the first hundred. All the history of this book and everything that broke off of this book and how many lives have been changed. Like you can't tell me that God didn't have his hand in that. I don't care. You know I understand You know God of your understanding but someone, some power put this together. You know it's not just in this country it's all over the world. People are being recovered, and lives are being restored, and families are being restored, and relationships are being restored, and people are living free, you know, they ain't living perfect, but they're living free, and I I just, I just, I can't get enough of that, because uh, I was in pretty bad shape, and to be sitting here with all you guys, is just like, it's, it's a privilege, you know, it's a privilege, because I never, in my wildest dreams, you know, when I'm abusing at my cousin's pizza shop where I'm in a drive through would I think that I would be in a program like this that initially I thought was for weak people that, you know, that I'm a strong guy I don't need this crap and it's just a humbling experience I I appreciate it so much especially that book that book is no joke don't take it lightly i I have no more,
1: that's it. <laughs>